It's good to be back with you. I'm just a humbled man pleading to a broken world. I have a lot to say, you know that, but hopefully today is exactly what you need to hear. In my spoken word called drama, I talk about the word confession. I have received many comments and questions concerning this thought process, and I just want to take some time today to dig a little deeper into what I meant when I talked about confession and the mishandling of confession within the American church and the Christian body today. More about this to come, but I want to first make sure we're defining confession the same. That's very important. If you if you Google the definition of confess, you will get at least seven different definitions ranging from different spiritual, religious uh, things to, to legal terms. The definition I'm choosing to use as my starting point comes from the actual Greek w- root word for confess. 1 John verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is an amazing verse. The Greek word John uses for confess actually means to say the same thing or to agree, to come in agreement. So to say the same thing to who though? It means to say the same thing that God is saying. When we confess, we describe something exactly as God describes it. Confession is no more and no less than being honest and transparent before God. So amazing. With that understanding, what we need to now understand is how confession is not just something we do with our mouths through our speech, but more so something we live. My personal definition of confession is simply this. To be fully transparent with my life. That's simple. Transparency must include my speech, my thoughts, my actions, how I work and how I play. My confession is not only a direct representation of who I am, but more importantly, it's perfectly describing my trust in whom I'm confessing to or whom I'm confessing with. What do I mean by this statement? To be transparent before God is to completely trust God with our entire story. Let's go back to 1 John verse 9 real quick. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This act of confession is truly an act of true transparency of coming into agreement with God and thinking the way he thinks, saying what he says, and beginning to only do what he does. It's a beautiful truth here. Through confession, we then are shown forgiveness. And here's the kicker. We are then cleansed. Cleansing us from everything not of God, right? This is awesome. This is why he's cleansing us from all unrighteousness. But what he's really doing is making us whole and righteous. This lifestyle of confession then leads to the much grace everybody needs. I think I said that right. There's a, there's a grace others need to receive, not just from God, but from those around them. And our lifestyle confession leads them to that place. Because that very lifestyle confession will be followed by a new life willing to profess outwardly about the God that changed them from inside out. Then that, that's going to lead others to an act of confession as well. Others that would not have otherwise professed Jesus as Savior and Lord will begin confessing him as such 
Let me clarify this with a story. This is, I know I just cut myself off, but this is too cool. Fox's Book of Martyrs gives a great account of confession to the extreme, as every story is an extreme in that book. From Acts 12.2, we know that Herod beheaded the Apostle James, brother of John. But do you know the rest of this story? James was the first apostle to suffer death after martyrdom of after the martyrdom of Stephen. Although Herod was the authority that took his head, James's fate started when an individual, an individual brought charges against him before the tribunal. When the case was over and James had been condemned to death, the man who had instigated the trial was deeply moved by the behavior and continence of the apostle. Basically, his lifestyle of confession, his transparency. James was so filled with the Spirit of God that on the way to the place of execution, the very one, the actual person that initiated all the charges against him, made a confession of faith in Christ. When he asked James to forgive him, the apostle said, Peace be to thee, brother. James then kissed him, and both men, listen, both men were beheaded for their faith in 36 AD. A spirit-filled life may lead to a physical death, but I want you to understand it's not just about that spirit-filled life. It's about what got the body ready to receive a spirit that is so holy. I believe it's a, it's, it's a life of transparency, a life of confession, that when you not just confess with your mouth your sins, but you allow your whole life and your whole being to be that very confession, that very transparency before God and others, what you're doing is giving the Spirit freedom to move in and through you. This kind of stuff pumps me up so much. I've got to be careful. I've got to stay on point today. James lived such a transparent life that others, including a person that made accusations against him, was willing to die a Christian's death with him. I know we've all had accusations against us. I know there has been accusations and people that have mishandled our trust or our transparency with them, thus making us fear trusting others again. But you need to understand this, that we cannot back off because we've been hurt before. Your transparent life will allow others to look into you and through you and see Christ, the one that died for you and them. I make some serious statements about confession concerning the American church today. I understand that. I guess I should defend my position here. But I also want to explain what I see God accomplishing through the local church because I am not against the local church. I love the local church. I love my pastor. My my pastors, my Nantanius pastors are absolutely amazing. God has sent amazing leadership for, for our family through the local church. It's not about that. But it's also about it's about being honest. I wrote I wrote this. In the Bible, confession always leads to victory. In the American church, it is the force that prevents the soul from being freed. So our confessions aren't just ammo aimed at a bullseye by spiritual siblings, but a shield to counteract the focus of the betrayal of those siblings' true feelings. Confessions deemed too dramatic to be heard within. So the self-proclaimed leaders can't be confused with the failures they work so hard to tame. So the lies counteract the confessions ensuring the church's infamous demise. 
I don't think anyone has disagreed with my first point concerning the Bible and confession always leading to victory. But some have pointed out and felt that this is an unfair attack on the church or an unwarranted generalization of the church as a whole. So, two things. First, I'm not attacking anyone. I'm merely pointing out what I have come to see and experience myself. As someone that has experienced multiple levels of leadership in the church, I have concluded that transparency is something that is severely lacking. It's that simple. No attacking here. Just a simple observation. You can take it as you will. Second, of course I'm generalizing. I am not so naive to believe every individual or church is unhealthy in mishandling the powerful weapon of confession. I am dealing with the overwhelming culture of the church in America today. Also, you, you must know that when I say church, I'm not referring to the building or the organizational structure we call church. I am speaking to the church itself, the actual people, God's children, Jesus' bride, the, the very temples of the Holy Spirit that make up the true church. I think it's safe for me to say that trust has become quite the anomaly when it comes to many Christians. I have met very few men that can honestly say they have someone in their life that can be trusted with everything in their life. We live in a Christian culture that has built up more walls to protect our own secrets than has shown a willingness to stand in front of the looking glass called transparency no matter the cost. We have become a people that knows a lot about one another without truly being known by anyone. In my personal experiences, I've found that transparency comes at a cost. It does. Our transparency with God came at the cost of the blood rushing out of his own very son. Transparency with others will cost you as well. To truly be transparent with others, you give up sole ownership of your own story. What do I mean by this? What I mean is you are literally sharing your story with another potential storyteller. That can be a scary thing. My wife and I have had many friends and mentors throughout the years that we have trusted with our transparent lives, our own stories. Yes, we have been hurt at times, and some would use the term, it backfired on us. But the good and the favor that complete that came out of it completely outweighs the times we were hurt. Why are we what others like to call open books? Well, there are many reasons, but the main reason is simple. The Bible says so. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. It's amazing. Based off of what we have already discussed, we know that confession to God cleanses us from all unrighteousness, thus making us righteous. This verse in James now takes us to another level. It's not just about confession with God. He is showing us that confession is not just an act towards God, but also in a lifestyle with our fellow man. A culture of Christians, not only professing Jesus as Messiah, but truly transparent with each other, thus creating an atmosphere that welcomes healing and much more. This is what I was referring to in the spoken word. The lack of this very atmosphere the early church had. 
And they had it not just because they were better than us or had a secret trick up their sleeve. No, they set a miraculous atmosphere through a culture of transparency. It is a widespread belief that the church today is not necessarily a place where you can trust others with your secrets and struggles. Trust is talked about and assumed to be present in the church, but the proof of its existence within the body is difficult to find. We have leaders clinging to titles, not realizing they never earned a position of trust with those whom they were called to lead. Titles aren't bad, and I'm not insinuating that. But someone with a title, but showing unwillingness to earn a position of trust with those that they came to serve and lead, is simply this, entitled. There are three key reasons why people don't trust others through confession or through their own transparency anymore. The first, they have been hurt by others. Remember this, trust lost is fear found. Now, I'm not saying fear can't be overcome. But what I am saying is, is when you lose the trust of somebody or they lose your trust, it takes a lot for you to step out there and start trusting someone else or even that very person again. Forgiveness and trust are two totally different things. We're supposed to forgive. For, forgiveness is given. Trust is earned. And being hurt by others doesn't mean a direct action towards you or against you. It also could mean no action at all. What I'm saying here is, is I'll give you an example. I've had many times where I've had close, close friends, and they are, and they were, and they were close brothers in the Lord. And I heard a phrase once, and it just clicked with me at a, at a men's conference, and the, the speaker said, no one likes being the only one naked in the room. And what he meant by that was, is when you get together as men and we go, hey, how you doing, brother? How, how's, how's it going? And someone opens up and, and is transparent with their life and then goes, well, how are you doing? And everybody seems to just go, yeah, we're doing good. <laughs> no action whatsoever, right? So what happens is, is when a man especially, I know women uh, do this uh, as well, but this is with our personalities as men, sometimes we don't talk as well as we should and we don't open up like we should at times. That when we finally do open up to somebody, but they refuse to open up to us, it's not an equal friendship. It's not an equal relationship. What a man is doing emotionally, in a sense, in that moment when he is transparent, is literally unclothing his emotions. And so nobody likes being the only one naked in a room, meaning there were many times I've had a couple really close friends that they'd say, we'd be alone and they'd say, how you doing? How you and Tanya doing? And I'd open up and, and be transparent with the things that are going on. And I'd be like, so how are you doing? And they'd be like, we're doing good. And instantly I felt like I was the only one unclothed emotionally. And that hurt more than any betrayal could ever hurt in the long run. Because a betrayal or things that are actions directed towards you are, are direct, they hit, they hurt, they, they, they hurt immediately, and they're powerful in that immediate setting. But eventually, as time goes by, that hurts. What, what lingers with me are those moments that I know I opened up to these people, but they never saw me worthy to do the same with. I was looking at a peer, a friend, somebody I thought I was living life together with, and they saw themselves as my counselor. People are afraid to open up because they've been hurt by others. The second reason, 
is they don't know who to trust. They've never been taught how to find people to trust. Our culture teaches that trust is in a position of authority. You can trust her because she's a teacher. Or you can trust him because he's a pastor. But we all know that's not necessarily the case at all times. Four priests met for a friendly gathering. This is joke time. During the conversation, one priest said, Our people come to us and pour out their hearts and confess their sins and needs all the time. Let's do the same together. Confession is good for the soul. So in in a little bit of time, they, they all kind of agreed to this. And one confessed that he liked to go to the movies and would sneak off when he was away from his church. The other priest said, you know, I like smoking cigars and when no one else is around. And the third one confessed to and loving to play cards. When it came to the fourth priest, he wouldn't confess. He wouldn't even open up his mouth. And the others pressed him saying, no, 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 no. We all confessed. You're going to confess. Come on. We confessed ours. What is your secret or your vice? And finally he answered, I'm sorry, guys. My, my vice is gossiping, and I, I can't wait to get out of this setting right now. This perfectly explains the situation that we don't know who to f- trust. We think we can trust certain people, and we think just because there's a title attached to their name or, or, or others have, have claimed it for them that they're instantly worthy of trust. No, there, there are tests that must take place, and that, that might be a whole nother podcast. But we need to understand and come to the conclusion today that an occupation or a given calling doesn't automatically make you trustworthy. Most people have never been taught how to find trustworthy, wise counsel. Most of their acquaintances happened either by chance or by mistake. I mean, I was, let me, let me explain myself a little bit further. I was taught from an early age how to seek and find trustworthy people to confess to and confess with. Maybe this should be a podcast at some point. But much of what we have doesn't come about by chance. Our jobs, where we go to college, where we eat, much more. Even who we pursue in the opposite. You might have been chance by meeting them, but you choose to pursue them or to allow them to pursue you. Where you work, you chose that job. You put in an application. Now, you might not have the power to... to, over them for them to choose you. But nonetheless, you pursued it. Why don't we do that with our other relationships? It seems like most of our friendships just come by chance instead of us saying, this is what I'm looking for in a friend. This is what I'm looking for in a mentor. And this is what I'm going to do to go about finding that for my life. And people don't know who to trust. They don't know how to find people they can trust. And we in the church must begin a process of taking people through that and teaching them that must be part of discipleship. The third, they don't see healthy examples, y'all. When I became a pastor, I was advised to keep my personal life private and allow those I pastor to see only my strengths. Because if they saw my weaknesses, they would take advantage of me. Well, I did the opposite because my personality is just to be this open book. And let me admit, I know as advised, I know why I was advised now of that because I was hurt on many occasions by others because I let them too close. So there is a balance here. But I want to say that this thought process has created such an elevated platform for leaders that when we fall, we fall to our positional deaths. Pastors are so elevated by those they serve 
they are now looked at from an unhealthy perspective. And it's not just pastors, it's ministry leaders, it's leaders alike. I love studying history and I I love looking into the great movements of God throughout the ages. And not a single movement of God started because of talent or gifts, even spiritual gifts. The best worship band or the best dressed congregation. Every great movement of God began with contrite hearts in an atmosphere of confession, completely transparent before God and their fellow man. If pastors and other leaders want to see the church change for the better, they must lead the way through confession. Be transparent with God and man. Now, let me go back to this issue of me and those I pastored. There's a difference between transparency and having no boundaries. It's like the difference between looking through a window in my house and being invited in. There's a big difference. The window lets you see in, but it prevents you from coming in. There are levels of trust that determine the levels of transparency. I get that. Jesus also proved that to the masses. All right. Then to the 12, he let them look through the looking glass to see the details on the inside. To the masses, he just spoke in parables. Then to the 12, he let them look through the looking glass and explain the parables. But then there were three. Three of his disciples, he opened the door and let them experience him in a way no one else did. This is a very difficult thing for people to do, especially leaders. Leaders can lead the way without putting all their laundry out for everyone to see. Parents, you can lead the way in transparency with even your children without putting all your marital laundry out there for your children to see. There is a healthy way to do this. That's not what is being said in this scripture or by me. People simply need to know that their leaders are actually leading by example, not just leading in a position of authority. Are they doing what they are asking of others? No one likes the leader that doesn't think the rules apply to them. And transparency does not mean details, by the way. I believe that the devil is in the details of your mistakes and misfortunes, but God is in the details of your redemption and future. And so we don't need altars and churches flooded with the details of our mistakes, but rather just merely the confessions of God's children that have realized God's grace is no mistake. My point in all of this was not to bash on the church and walk away, but to point out that one of the things that every church should have in common, regardless of size, denomination, wealth, worship style, doctrine, or whatever may be the differences, there are some things, some things, that should be completely the same. Unifying factors, and one of the most important to me is confession. All churches should have an atmosphere of confession that breeds trust within its walls and outside of its walls. Transparency that allows all to see the Christ that has done so much for us on the inside. No more using people's struggles and mistakes against them, but we can't do this on our own, so we must do it with one another through the transparency of confession. And that's what God intended us to do, and that's who God intended us to be. Let me finish with this. The Greek word for confess also means I praise and I celebrate. Confession is joyous. It was intended to be joyful, not condemning. It is a joyous form of praise, not because of what you're confessing, but because of who you're confessing to. 
First, you're confessing to Jesus. You're confessing to God. And then your fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. This should be one of the easiest things we do because it's what we all do together. It's this openness within the spirit, within our new identities in Christ that lead us to a place and a perspective that literally changes the world. It unifies the bride that may have some different thought processes and doctrines and interpretations. But you are unified in Christ, but you are unified through your transparency in Christ with one another. That's confession, y'all. So we as the church have got to stop using the confessions and the life of other people against them to propel us where we want to go. Stop using it against others to protect us from being seen in the way we don't want to be seen. Live a life of transparency, not just for God, but with one another. I want to take this last few minutes that I have. And I usually thank a a ministry or a business or a charity as well as some people. I just want to thank two people today. I'm not going to be thanking my wife because I thank my wife every single day of my life. And if my wife is not one of these people I am completely transparent with, then I have no no reason to be having this conversation with you today. But I want to thank two men in my life that have proven two amazing facts concerning confession for me. First is my father. It's not that I have... I have always been allowed to be completely transparent to him as an adult. But I've watched as an adult him live this as an example to not just his wife, but to his children and to his, what he calls his uh, um, daughter-in-loves and brother-in-loves and, and his grandchildren and everyone around him. I have watched my dad live a life of transparency in front of others in a way that I've never seen anybody else do it. And when asked why he does it the way he does, why he does what he does, why is he so open about everything he's doing? And he has one comment every time tears come into his eyes and he says, I just, I think I do it because I've never gotten over the fact of what God has done for me. And I love that. I would not be the man I am today. I would not be the transparent man that I am today. I would not have been able to talk about betrayal the way I talked about betrayal last week in last week's podcast if it wasn't for the leadership and example of a man that showed me the way in the transparent life. I am grateful for that man of God, and I'm grateful that he's my father. The second, I call him Chief. Some of you know him as Pastor Paul. He's probably got many names, warrior, spy ninja. Nonetheless, this man did not just become a mentor to me. He became a spiritual father of sorts to me. And he's walked through my life in such detail that I don't know if there is another man in the last seven years of my life that knows me the way he knows me. He has walked through the dirt. He has walked through the blood, sweat, and tears. He has walked through my sin. He has walked me through my disappointments. He has walked me through my mistakes. He has walked me through everything in my life. And I have been completely open with him and he has never broken that trust. I remember once he showed up at my house and uh, gave me a what for in front of my wife. And some would say, well, how does he have the authority to do that to you? I gave it to him. Because I've been transparent with him. And you know what? He was right. And I am a better man because of him. And chief, 
Pastor Paul, man of God, I am grateful that I was taught how to find trustworthy men. And I'm grateful that God showed me you and that I've had you to walk this journey out with me and that I am the man I am today because of the life of transparency you allowed me to have with you. You were one of my heroes. And dad, you were one of my heroes. And you are my heroes not just because of allowing me to be transparent with you, but neither of you ever let me feel like I was the only one emotionally naked in the room. You let me feel like even though you were the mentor and the coach and the spiritual father and the biological father, you treated the table like King Arthur's table. You were a leader amongst equals sitting at a round table. You allowed me to sit at that table and enjoy life with you. Thank you. I will always be appreciative. I am the man I am today once again because of you too. Remember, y'all, in a world of groupthink, you can watch me, mock me, block me, or join me, but you cannot silence me. Until next time, stay weathered, my friends. Mm-hmm.